Are we there yet? No. 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 Are we there yet? You little. I think we're there. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. On your right, you'll see the majestic bombed-out husk that was once civilization. Our flight attendants will be around soon to collect any garbage as we prepare to watch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 100. Triple digits, baby! Which begins with Jedediah flying his air truck into a sandstorm, and it ends with a perspective shot as we fly through what remains of Sydney. Joining us this week is the couple who were upset that they could not fly with their emotional support Suleiman Aktapan named Picasso, Crystal Beth and John Robert Wilson from The Fifth Element. <laughs> yeah! Yay! We were so sad. He's the cutest one of them all. Can I just say someone did their research? <laughs> <laughs> well, someone else did not do their research. What kind of animal is this? It's a made-up animal that uh, oh. that Zorg uh, had as like a it's pet. When he's got when he's choking on the cherry, and then he Zorg points to the back of his throat, and the elephant just laughs at him. Little elephantito. Yeah, okay, a, okay, I got gotcha, you. It's a gotcha. hairless dog-sized elephant-like. Pet with a prehensiled trunk. Twenty-three yes. puppeteers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds very comforting and companionable. Yeah, he was sweet, like a little baby elephant. Yeah, too bad they wouldn't let us uh, bring him on the plane, though. So we had to murder him right there on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to flush him down the toilet, didn't work. Had to throw him out the window. Oh. <laughs> Even though we were on the ground. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we were on the ground trying to get him into the plane. We had to throw him out the window. <laughs> Window of the airport. It right. was two whole stories. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, you didn't have to dump yeah. him into that liquids container before you go through security? No. 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 They had to throw him out onto the tarmac, and he probably would have been fine if not for that baggage cart. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> R.I.P. Picasso. <laughs> So sad. But sometimes when you're dealing with an aircraft that maybe isn't large enough to handle everybody that's supposed to be riding in it, you've got to make concessions for space. Case in point, the Transavia PL-12 air truck that we see in today's minute, which is holding, I think, 11 people in total. <laughs> yeah, they're packed in there like sardines. It's a little ridiculous, the fact that there are so many of them in there. Their feet are kind of hanging out the hole in the back part of the plane, the fuselage. Now, we've looked up the flight time from Cooper Pedy to Sydney, and it's several hours, right? Oof. I did another measurement on the map, and okay. it's only a thousand miles, or... 1600 kilometers that's a flight to florida the air truck has a flight speed of 144 miles per hour so it works out to a little over seven hours that's a really long time in that plane yeah that's too crowded for that long isn't that kind of the exact way that Waterworld ended they were on a flying machine for an almost ridiculous amount of time i don't remember how Waterworld ended yeah it's been so long since the last time i watched I Waterworld. Oh, I don't actually remember. It was a balloon, and they, oh, and they flew. Right. And they, it, it's more clear in the TV version of the movie. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about Waterworld. <laughs> Sorry, folks. 
<laughs> oh, it happens constantly. And uh, they, they end up on the top of Mount Everest, but it's an island. You know, it's like a tropical right. island. So in, in the Mariner, he finds a boat and he takes it back out to sea because he belongs on the sea. In the theatrical release, they don't tell you that it's Mount Everest, but in the TV movie, they find a plaque of the people like up here and, you know, 1932, this man summited Everest for the first time. The first white man to summit Everest. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, all the Sherpas are like, gee, thanks. You're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is my weekend trip with my family. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's more impressive. The fact that an aircraft with an 800 mile or 1300 kilometer range was able to fly another quarter of a tank's worth of distance or the fact that Jedediah flew all that way over seven hours of flight without throwing someone out of that plane <laughs> out of pure frustration. Hey, we don't know that everyone's there. Well, you don't see Jedediah Jr. anywhere anymore, do you? <laughs> he disappears. Right. I'm okay with it. I dumped the kid. <laughs> you ruined everything by standing there. Just get off the <laughs> tracks, dum-dum. This is a Dick up. That's got to be one of the funniest lines of this movie. That little tiny kid trying to be all tough. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, given the maneuvers that Jedediah likes to take, at the very top of this minute, he does this extreme bank to the right, and the whole plane just kind of rolls onto its side <laughs> as they fly into this sandstorm. If you bank the wrong direction, right out the side. Yeah, it's not like the people are strapped in. Right. There are no safety harnesses in that plane anywhere. <laughs> there's no safety harnesses. There's no life vests. There's no emergency oxygen. When I was watching it with John, as soon as it turned, he and I at the same time go, up because you're waiting for him to just like fall out one by one. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a way to end the movie. And then we get into the sandstorm. I was like, they all die in the sandstorm, huh? John was like, yep. I was like, cool, good yeah, ending. It's the end. Yep. I know for sure that I would have a really hard time having that many people packed in close to me for that long <laughs> because... I don't know how to adequately describe myself on a road trip situation, but I'm usually pretty quiet. Okay, so you turn into like, you go, you have a catatonic quiet state that you go in? I go into a focus because I'm, I don't want people bothering me when I drive. <laughs> yeah, the operative word being when you drive because you have to drive. I really can't be in a situation where I'm not driving. I get carsick very easily. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now that you mention it, Julia, mm-hmm. we don't see Tubba. We don't see Kusha. Who else do we not see? I don't think we see Screwloose, although we... I think you see him in the group scene. You do see Screwloose in the group scene at the end of this week. Yeah. But most of the kids, and I would argue, jumping ahead to Friday, that there are other adults in that crowd. They are probably grown-up versions of some of the kids in the plane. I think that's a But aside from Screwloose, it's nearly impossible to tell because for some reason they're all bald. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get to that on Friday. Easier to manage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't really see any more of them. And I can easily believe that as far as Jedediah Jr. goes, he was sitting on his dad's lap, like half flying the plane. He's a little kid, what, like maybe seven or eight? He doesn't have the stamina to stay up there the whole time. So he probably crawled in back, found a little corner to curl up in. Take a nap. And take a nap. Yeah. Holding up a train takes a lot out of you. You remember those guns were as tall as he was. Yeah. And then he had to run away with them, so he probably needed to curl up and take a nap. Maybe he's even curling up and taking a nap on his dad's lap, and we can't see him because he's laying down. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so little. I don't know. I'm going to stick with the narrative that they just dumped him midway. <laughs> <laughs> 
dad i need to go to the bathroom okay we'll go over by the door try not to fall out <laughs> now you can go to the bathroom for the rest of your life oh what a way to go what die going to the bathroom like elvis (laughs) wait what (laughs) die going to the bathroom i think you're kind of the impact on the ground is what's killing you not so much the bathroom going to oh no i've peed pretty hard i thought i was gonna die that's true no that was a crazy (laughs) tuesday (laughs) okay I'm sorry, I'm I'm hung up on the Elvis thing. What? Elvis died on the toilet. Really? Yeah, right? Like, I'm right, right? Uh-huh, heart he, attack. He, he was straining while taking a number two, and he uh, was known for eating butter-drenched peanut butter and banana sandwiches. And bacon. Bacon yeah. sandwiches, yeah. And so he was straining really hard to poop one of those out, and his heart exploded. Oh my gosh. Careful yeah. where you poop. Yeah. That's why you get a squatty potty. Right. Yeah, you would have been fine. Do you seriously think that if Elvis had a squatty potty, he'd still be alive today? Well, yeah, because his poop tract would have been better aligned and he wouldn't have had to strain as hard. Yeah. And Elvis was rich. He could have had a child just kneel down in front of him that he paid. Yeah. Although, how do you know that he's actually dead? He could be hanging out with Tupac in the Caribbean somewhere. Well, if I was that rich, I would be hanging out with Tupac in the Caribbean somewhere. So, yeah, I buy that. True. (laughs) You can't honestly tell me that that Tupac is really dead. He made the California Love video (laughs) and... If you make something that awesome, you don't just die. You like turn into a force ghost and just all your clothes drop to the ground. And then he just becomes one with the ether. That makes sense. How else do you explain him showing up at that concert that one time? He was all blue force ghost glowy. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It wasn't recorded like they said. (laughs) (laughs) You can't believe what they say. Yeah, they are. They are usually wrong. That's why everyone proposes to see Elvis all over the place. Yeah. It's his force ghost. He has multiple shards of his soul that he's horcruxed out across oh, the world. Oh, no. <laughs> Can I just say that uh, Bruce Spence's jawline is the most recognizable jawline of all jawlines? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely say that. I only say this because uh, if you've seen the deleted scenes of Return of the King, uh, the Lord of the Rings Return of the King, and he plays the mouth of Sauron, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you don't see the upper half of his face. But immediately once he's on camera, once his jawline is on camera, even after it's been CGI'd up and everything, you know it's Bruce Spence. Absolutely. We have already claimed those minutes of what? Return of the King? Yeah. Is that what Lauren said? You know, and like... 2022 yeah. whenever that happens whenever norman and cassandra can get through that much content to yeah, get to right? it because not only is it the longest of the three extended versions but it's a scene at more or less the end <laughs> yeah you guys are going to be 50 years old yeah we'll be well done with these movies by then that's for sure one thing that impressed me and i'm not sure if it was supposed to was how well pig killer is holding up considering that he was brutally impaled with a harpoon in his upper thigh, and then that harpoon was pulled out. Yeah, I thought he was going to die. Yeah, he should be dead. With the amount of blood that was coming out of the car, spilling out onto the car, you'd think they, they got like a main artery or something like that. He would have bled out long ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, I would really think so. Maybe it was like one of those lucky hits, went right around and just went through the muscle and right into the bone and didn't hit anything important. Mm. He seems like a lucky guy. Yeah. He survived so far, so yeah. He survived manual labor in a pig pit. <laughs> yeah, I would rather die than shovel that much poop. So I'm impressed. I don't know. He seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, and he got to hang out with the piglets. 
of like piglets. <laughs> the piglets are cute. They're not quite giant omnivorous eating machines just yet. They're more obsessed with, you know, suckling, getting prime nipple position. Well, aren't we all? You ever got a pig nose in your butt? <laughs> no, because I've never been close enough to a pig for it to touch me because I value my life. It's the coldest, wettest, muddiest thing. Yeah, it's not fun. It feels weird and that they're really strong. That's how my uncle's pig used to always greet me when I would go outside into the pen. It would always come up behind me and go and stick its nose up in like between my thighs and like pick me up off the ground for a second. And I would have muddy, hay, pig, booger, butt. It was gross. Was this an affectionate gesture? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was not mean. It was rooting around for truffles. That's where I keep my truffles, so. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Because I always assume any pig is trying to eat me. Yeah, I think that's safe. You should assume that. (laughs) So as we're flying in to the bombed out, burned up city that once was Sydney, we're not seeing things at a normal frame rate. It's slowed down but in kind of a choppy way it's odd yeah i think it's meant to be surreal i think we're meant to take a few moments to figure out where we are because it's not immediately apparent that it's sydney but once you see the first landmark of the little bit of the bridge you know that that's sydney the bridge yeah but i think the frame rate is so low that it loses quality yeah there may have been a more happy medium to be found there yeah well that was i feel like that was a lot of things in the 80s though at the very end of the movie they'd have like the one i'm thinking of is dirty dancing (laughs) yes when everything just slows down and i feel like that's just a stylized choice where they were like yeah let's make this we just learned how to do this in cinema so (laughs) let's slow everything down a little bit and uh, really make people think, you know? Yeah, it feels like it's supposed to be poignant. Was the Neverending Story, did they do that at the end too? Kind of slow stuff down a little bit? I don't think so. I think I just remember him riding the luck dragon off into the sky. Yeah, yeah after terrorizing <laughs> the bullies. It does seem like it would fit though. Like I can picture it, but I don't know if that's real or yeah. just in my head. The yeah. uh, sepia tone or sepia tone, however you say it, kind of adds to the... Uh, sort of solemn, uh, disjointed, um, what's the word you use to describe it? Like, um, the aesthetic. Yeah. 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 Kind of adds to the whole sort of a post apocalyptic feel. I know it's kind of the film's been, you know, set against a desert, the majority of the film, but, um, you know, that's kind of just, it's kind of like the, the blue filter in the, the opening scene of gladiator. Yeah. That's been everything. It's interesting when you see the way movies are, they follow patterns through time. Like if you listen to Titanic, it's, the music seemed so cool then, but it's all synth. <laughs> so it's all, so it's like, as opposed to actual instruments. <laughs> Something that I think gets lost in the chopping up of the minutes is at the very end of last minute, we see the plane and it's like flying along the edge of this sandstorm. And then it kind of cuts off there and we pick up here where we are already in the sandstorm and then we fly into Sydney. So I think what's been lost is the idea that Sydney itself is in the sandstorm oh. and is currently being attacked by a sandstorm. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, not everything translates to this format. Yeah, that makes sense from what I'm seeing, yeah. I wonder if that's just always how it is, that Sydney's just always constantly covered by this giant cloud. Like the dot on Jupiter? 
Yeah. It's just always storming around and around. It's like self-perpetuating. The great red spot. Yeah. I feel like it would be hard to keep jumping ahead that room so clean if they were always in a sandstorm. Yeah. Maybe they were always in a sandstorm and if this the end is the future, maybe it stopped. And it's like, wow, everything's perfect now. We're not inside a sandstorm heart. <laughs> The sandstorm heart? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. You have like a giant hurricane type system. Yeah, I was thinking of like a dry hurricane. Where the sand and stuff is blowing around the city, but once you push through the storm enough, you've got this eye of the storm that is the city. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, the way sandstorms work, with, I mean, if you guys don't know how sand and wind works, if there's a lot of stuff around, it doesn't really swoop in as much. So it's usually over like barren, low places. And there are kind of a lot of high places in Sydney. So it makes sense if it swirled around because mm-hmm. the buildings are in the way. You're listening to the Sandcast with Crystal <laughs> Beth. Sand, sand, sand. <laughs> so I was thinking about the choppiness of the shot, just to roll back real quick. And I think what they were doing here was just the opposite of what they did whenever they had like a sped up shot, like back in Road Warrior, oh, yeah. where they would undercrank the camera and then play it back at normal speed and everything would look a little faster. I think what they did here is they just took out frames to make it appear slower because we're dealing with film here and the camera rolls the film at a set speed and we get a set frame rate. So if you want to slow things down, maybe you don't have a camera where you can adjust the film speed the frame rate if you can't turn that frame rate up to the point where playing it back at regular speed makes it look all slow like this then you're gonna have to take shortcuts like this i always have to remind myself that they were filming this like filming in the sense that they were using film yeah this isn't slow-mo guys (laughs) with their digital phantom cameras and all of that other nonsense yeah, maybe it was a financial decision to make the shot like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, if we use it at regular regular speed, it seems like it looks like it's a model. But if we slow it down, it looks desolate and like the actual city. Dreamlike. Or like the camera guy didn't realize that he had it on fast motion <laughs> and they didn't have enough money or time left to film for, it again. For pickups, yeah. So they had to slow it down. And they were like, well, I guess this is just going to be a choice we made. <laughs> <laughs> It's my artistic vision. (laughs) Either that or Warner Brothers was like, hey, can we get like a couple more minutes tacked onto here? And Miller was like, okay, I guess if I stretch these out, make it a little bit slower. Because heaven forbid we keep the Gecko (laughs) storyline. Oh, poor Gecko. He died off screen. (laughs) Yeah. I am okay with flying by these miniatures in a bit of a slower pace, though, because these are like full-on Lord of the Rings type miniatures where the half span of that bridge is like six feet long. Like this thing was huge. Oh, okay. Like this isn't a little tabletop diorama for your cousin Eddie's train set or anything like that. Cousin Eddie? (laughs) He loves train sets, I bet. They've got the camera on a rolling platform and they are driving it through this canyon that they've fabricated up to these buildings that we're going to see this week. And this canyon that we are flying through is the river. It is the harbor. Yeah. There's no more water. It raises a very interesting question. That's mainly ocean. being, where did the ocean go? Right. <laughs> you can't just delete the ocean. It's very true. If one wanted to delete the ocean, one would have to dry it up. Well, I don't know. I tried. <laughs> you did. 
<laughs> dead. <laughs> Stop doing it's just that. a dried up riverbed. Well, it may not be that the entire ocean is gone because Sydney Harbor is only 197 feet deep. That's little under 200 feet. That's what, 2018 story building? Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, that sounds like a lot to me. You'd have to remove that much water from everywhere on the planet. Or, <laughs> or vaporize it. Yeah. Or it's still, it's, got, it's still vapor, though. It's still got to go somewhere. Or what if there was enough things going wrong, and I'll use the phrase going wrong for lack of a better explanation, <laughs> but maybe there were missiles landing and things getting destroyed to the extent that a giant hole opened up on the other side of the world and all the water filled in that hole. It's a probably not the best explanation. <laughs> like, That's I think... John's skeptic. <laughs> I think maybe what you're thinking about is maybe a significant amount of land was destroyed and therefore created a void that had to be filled with water. Yeah, like what's the opposite side of the world from Sydney Harbor? Exact. Well, why would it have to be opposite? It can be anywhere because the water, the water like levels itself out except for the tides. So I'm looking at the map here, and it looks like the exact opposite side of the world from Sydney is somewhere close to the Caribbean. So if there were a bunch of missiles and stuff that hit the eastern seaboard of the United States, oh, and everything blew up and made a giant hole... Maybe. See, all the scenarios that I'm running through in my head involve something seriously catastrophic. Yeah. Like maybe something happened to the moon and something went wrong with the tides. Or maybe like a large meteor hit the earth and either created a hole that would need to be filled or like removed material, like splashed material off the planet. Oh. But both, like all that stuff, the planet's dead. The planet is destroyed. Yeah. So I'm still, I don't know what happened to 200 feet of water. So Rick, I, I'm sorry. You think that there was a hole and the water just kind of drained into the middle of the earth and kind of just went there and evaporated or just went there and stayed there? He doesn't know what he means. No, he did means you, what like, I did, said. Yeah. Did he come up with this theory after he took a bath? <laughs> <laughs> I see the whirlpool. That would cause so much damage. <laughs> I just don't think there's a situation that could exist where over here in Australia, we've got everything's dry, Mad Max world. And on the opposite side of the world, everything's flooded and we've got water world. Yeah. A gravitational pull. Like if all of a sudden there was a planet over on the other side. Or if the moon suddenly got geolocked to one side of the planet. I'm not sure there's enough mass in the moon to cause that much gravity. We would need like Jupiter. Yeah. Hmm. Just wondering like, okay, if you geolock the moon and then bring it closer, although the closer you bring it and if it's geolocked, it's not spinning around. So you don't have that force keeping it up. I guess the moon would just fall on the earth. Okay, maybe that's not a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think any of this is a good plan. If the moon moved closer, all of our tides would be messed up. Gravity would be forced fires, earthquakes and stuff all over. The, the planet would rip it apart. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And certainly, like, the people wouldn't be able to be normal people. I mean, they'd be dead. Yeah. But even a little bit of, like, gravitational change or anything like that, it's going to change humans and how we function because we're so specifically set to function on this planet. Yeah. I found where the opposite of Australia is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where's that? I found it. I found it, guys. 
found the opposite of Sydney. That's like Crystal's been doing this whole time. I really needed to find out what's going to happen. So it's the Azores? Oh my God. Azores. The Azores? No. no. Azores? A-C with a little thing underneath it. O-R-E-S. Authorities. It is like just south of that. Let me go see if I can find it on a different map. But it's the middle of the... Uh, ugh, all right. So it's almost right in the middle of the North Atlantic, closer to Spain. And I do believe the islands that are there are part of Portugal-ish. <laughs> you right. mean like the Azores? The autonomous region of Portugal that's in our Cabelago in the mid-Atlantic? Well, that's what I thought, but it's using a different word to label them. <laughs> it's probably in Portuguese. Oh. If it's, Why if do it's... they do that? They know where I am. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. They do know where you are. So why don't they automatically convert everything to your language? Google, pay more attention to me. Yeah. Know more about me. <laughs> More so than they already do. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, that's what it is. John got mad at me for swearing just then. So all of these miniatures, they were made by model coordinator Dennis Nicholson and his team. There is a lovely page on MadMaxMovies.com, which is just our favorite resource of guys standing in and amongst the models that you can go check out and... Like I said, they are massive, massive models. So what happens to massive models like this after the fact? They probably blow them up. They have a party at when they're done filming and they just blow them up when they dress up like dinosaurs and they just step on them and crush them. And well, they probably break them up and they take chunks of them home for their kids to play with or all of the above. Okay, if they do the first one, then they need to film it. <laughs> if they destroy these in any way with fire or explosions or dinosaurs, they need to film it and put it out as like an extra on the DVD. Yeah, sure. Or, or just have it as just B-rolling around. And I'm sure someone needs <laughs> B-roll of, of Sydney blowing up. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic I, I, Sydney getting smushed. <laughs> Based off of my knowledge of theater, because I did a lot of set work in theater, you take the wood and you save it. Mm -hmm. And studios are cheap. They did tear down this model after filming was done. It was too big to keep and they just dismantled it and got rid of it. And I don't think any pieces necessarily still exist of it, but it would be pretty cool to be a model maker and just take a little chunk home. Yeah. Be like, like hey. Your favorite building. Yeah. You know, it's a shame that Thunderdome wasn't made with a similar mindset of like lord of the rings when they made lord of the rings they knew all of this was going to be memorabilia yeah they yeah. knew this was going to be a successful epic yeah george miller had absolutely no clue between the first and second movie they sold the interceptor and had to go buy it back <laughs> i didn't know that and they had That's to like, awesome. fix it so it's just a shame that they didn't know that this movie and this franchise was going to be talked about for 20, 30, 40, 50 years afterwards and that people would pay for bits and pieces. I imagine that if they had taken this model and sent it out to Silverton to that guy who runs a Mad Max museum, he definitely would have put that thing on display. Oh, yeah. That would be amazing to see in person. Just like walk through it and uh -huh. step underneath the broken bridge. Somewhere in the south, I don't recall exactly where, there is a scale model of the Mississippi Delta where they get to test and run simulations on flooding, like seasonal flooding up the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've stuff. seen cool. that. I've seen yeah. that. And it's huge, like huge. I don't know if the scale is the same as the model we're seeing here, but it's similar. That's so awesome and such a smart idea. John, let's go to it. 
I don't know where it is. I'll Google again. I want to say Atlanta or it, somewhere near Atlanta. There because... was a really good episode of 99% Invisible all about it. Well, yeah, because that's where I heard about it. Yeah. Most recently. I already knew of its existence, but 99% Invisible. If you're not listening to 99% Invisible at this point, you really should be because it's one of George Miller's favorite podcasts. That's right. It is. He brings it up in conversation all the time. All right. All the time. Like, like he, the one interview that he did recently. No, he said it in other interviews. Okay. Like people ask him design questions and he's like, oh, well, have you ever heard of this podcast? 99% Invisible. And I'm like, I want to just have someone talk me up like that. <laughs> <laughs> you want a famous person to say, hey, have you heard of this podcast? Mad Max Minute? I think my dream is to have George Miller hear about this podcast and just be like, why would they do that? Why would they take my vision and chop it up like that? <laughs> Isn't that what Luke Besson said to you about what we were doing? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, okay, why? And I was like, sir, I don't know. We've got a good name. I don't know. And he's like, your time is up. Next. <laughs> he was like, you're not naked or young enough if you could please... Let the naked young people up here. Oh, don't tell me he's one of those creepy French directors. Yep. Although... Are there any other kinds? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I found out where the Mississippi River Basin model is. Where's that? Or was Clinton, Mississippi. A large-scale hydraulic model of the entire Mississippi River Basin. It covered an area of 200 acres. That might have been it. It was built from 1943 to 1966 and operation until 1973. Oh, so no, that wasn't it. Crazy. Mm. Well, this model of Sydney is nowhere near that large. <laughs> nowhere near. That'd be awesome, though. That would be Yeah, I think cool. I underestimated its size. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, something that big would be pretty amazing to see. But what I really like in this minute is Jedediah's reaction to seeing Sydney. Yeah, he looks sad. Well, he's old enough to remember it when it wasn't a bombed out husk and i say bombed out i'm kind of assuming that it's bombed out because it's a major city if nukes are flying everywhere why wouldn't a major city get bombed they show a lot of the skyscrapers that have been completely like emptied out you can see through them so you can tell they're just their frame they're you know their steel frames that are holding them up not their windows are all gone and they're completely empty mm -hmm. yeah i assume that they've been bombed out and i know we've discussed if australia is a nuclear power or not but now I can't remember if they have nukes. If you don't have nukes, why are you getting hit by nukes? Just nuked by association. Yeah, or maybe yeah. someone didn't put in the right coordinates. They were like, oh no, we were going for the Azores. We messed up half the planet length. <laughs> <laughs> the missile was programmed for Imperial units, but they calculated it in metric <laughs> units. And it just <laughs> overshot by the entire half of the planet <laughs> by half a planet do you guys have anything else for this minute specifically the first frame of it the little boy's face looks like the mask on the body of the other guy the guy that oh, always wears the masks above his head the doll mask <laughs> yeah the freeze frame of it i was like why is he on the plane with them i was so confused <laughs> and i was like oh it, the kid just looks like the mask oh that is weird oh that is so weird. i'm looking at it right now and oh that's creepy yeah are you talking about Mr. Skyfish? I'm talking about Skyfish, yeah. Okay. That's another thing that would make it rough to survive a seven-hour plane trip because when they took off, Skyfish was popped out the top, but now that they're cruising at altitude, he can't be sticking his head out the side of the plane the entire time, so he is pretty much resting his chin on Jedediah's shoulder. I don't know how he's taking it. Maybe it's the fact that there is no room. 
Well, Jedi is a little weird, so maybe he doesn't notice. Maybe that's like the one weird thing about him. <laughs> or the one extra weird thing. <laughs> maybe he's incredibly okay with human contact. I mean, if you don't have any other contact besides your son for a while, I, that might actually feel good. We get to see people all the time, but if we didn't, maybe, maybe? Well, maybe he feels bad about kicking his son out the plane halfway through and he's getting consoled because <laughs> he by feels his, bad. He by his <laughs> new adopted son? Yeah. I mean, not something so much. He's just, he's just, you know, oh, that was a rash decision. My son's dead. And now... I have my pick pe- of all of these. Yeah, there you go. That would make the second movie in a row where uh, Bruce Spence character is implied to have surrogately adopted a wild child yeah well he's a collector (laughs) (laughs) given how much crap was strewn around his house oh absolutely absolutely a collector that pretty much brings us to the end of this leg of the flight as we are moving in closer to the city itself john and crystal is there any place you would like to point people to in order for them to find more of your stuff Oh, uh, well, you can check out our other podcast, The Fifth Element. You mentioned it at the top of the show. Check it out at thefifthelement.com or on iTunes where you find other podcasts. And we have also have a podcast about video games called Unlimited Lives Radio, also on iTunes. And if you like sci-fi stuff, check out Mission to Zix as well, Z-Y-X-X. And if you want to reach either of us on social media, John is John Robert Wilson on Twitter. And I am the Crystal Beth on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. As for us, we will be coming back on Wednesday. Wednesday, we'll see these flying shots give way to a scene sometime in the future where Savannah is once again seated in front of a crowd of people giving them the tell. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 100 of beyond thunderdome we'll see you next time Everybody!